0: Brothers and sisters, let us pray. Almighty God, the unfolding of your word gives light. It brings understanding to the simple. Father, we pray that as we come before your written word, that you would illuminate our minds, that we may understand what you have said. And that you would illuminate our hearts so that we may believe what you have said. And we ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. Who is it who receives Christ and why? And who is it who rejects Christ and why? In last week's sermon, we saw that John was writing his gospel with a very clear purpose in mind. He has an aim. He has a goal. He has something that he's trying to accomplish. And he tells us that in chapter 20 of his gospel. He says this, I am writing these things to you so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ and that by believing you may have life. In his name. In other words, John has an ultimate goal. He wants us to have life, and he wants us to have that life by believing in the name of Jesus. And this means that for John, the identity of Jesus, who he is, is a central concern for his gospel. Because we can only have life in the name of Jesus if Jesus is who John says that he is. So then, who is jesus according to john well he tells us using images and metaphors jesus is the vine jesus is the bread jesus is the living water jesus is the word and this week that jesus is the light this week we're going to ask the question what does it mean that jesus is the light who is it who rejects the light and who is it who receives the light? What or who is the light? Who rejects the light? And who receives the light? Now first, what or who is the light? Well, just as we learned last week, when Jesus is the word, to understand what John means by each image, we have to look back into the Old Testament and forward into John's gospel to see how he uses it there. And what we get as we look backwards into John's Gospel, uh, into into the Old Testament, is that the image of light is used in three distinctive ways. Light is God's revelation, it is God's righteousness, and it is God's redemption, right? Light is revelation, righteousness, and redemption. So, for example, in our psalm reading, we read that your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, right? God's word, his revelation is like light because it makes things known. But if that's the case, if God's revelation makes things known, well, it always makes God known. It reveals himself, and it reveals, therefore, his attributes, his character, his his characteristics. And so, therefore... Light is also used as an image for God's righteousness, because God himself is a righteous God. And if he reveals himself, he always reveals himself in his righteousness. And so therefore, we see, for example, in Isaiah 5, that light is used as an image for righteousness and darkness is used as an image for evil. Why do you trade good for evil and evil for good, light for darkness and darkness for light? And third, if those two are the case, then what we also see in the Old Testament is that light is used as an image for God's redemption, for God's salvation. Because if people are in darkness and in evil, then God's revelation, his light, the light that reveals his righteousness, is also a light that reveals his righteous redemption. God coming himself to save people from the darkness of evil. So, for example, when we see in Isaiah 9, describing the coming of the Christ, the people who dwelt in darkness, the people who were in evil, these are the people who have seen the light. Upon them has light shone. And so when we go into John's gospel, all of those things are picked up about Jesus. Jesus is the revelation from God. Jesus carries the righteousness of God. And finally, Jesus is God coming to redeem his people. So then it's a bit strange, isn't it, that when we look at John's prologue, the first thing we're told isn't that, that Jesus is the light but rather we're told about someone who is not the light. We're told about John the Baptist. Why is that? Well, have a look at verses six to eight. Here we need to notice that John was a prophet. He was one, verse six, who was sent from God, and he was one sent to be a witness, verse seven, to bear witness about the light. And what this means is that actually John is God's agent of revelation. In a sense, John is a light. If you're not sure about this, you can actually see in John 5 that Jesus himself describes John the Baptist as a light. He was a burning and shining lamp and you were willing to rejoice for a little while in his light. But what we see in the prologue is that even though John the Baptist may have been a light, he is not the light. To be precise, in verse 9, he is not the true light. So we see a transition. Verse 8, he was not the light. He came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. So then what is this light? What is this true light? light. Well, to understand what John means by the word true, we need to look forward into his gospel because we see it used again twice. Jesus is the true vine and Jesus is the true bread. And in both of those cases, the word true is not used in contrast to falsehood, in contrast to something fake. So, for example, if I say to you I have a true Rolex, which I don't, I mean that I don't have a counterfeit Rolex. I don't have a fake one. I don't have a false one. But, but that's not what John means by the adjective true. Now, what John means is that uh, Jesus is the final light and he is the fullness of light. Right? The word true carries the connotation of fullness and of finality. What do I mean by that? Well, Jesus is the full light in the sense that he is by divine nature light. Right? He is eternally light in all of its fullness. So, for example, if we read in 1 John 1, we find that God is light and in him there is no darkness whatsoever. If Jesus is God, as we've learned from verse 1, then he is by nature light. But also in a in another sense. If Jesus is the one through whom God reveals himself, then there is a special sense that the person of Jesus within the Trinity is light. He is light of light, as he is God of God. Uh, Jesus, by his divine nature and according to his divine person, is the fullness of light. But he isn't just the fullness of light in God's plans and purposes for history to save his people, Jesus is also the final light, the final revelation of God, the final revelation of his redemption. We can see that, for example, if we look at Isaiah. How is light used in Isaiah? Well, light is used as a picture that's pointing forward to God's Final redemption. So just as all of the Old Testament points forward to that final act, even up to and including John the Baptist pointing forward, bearing witness, testifying about that fact, in Isaiah, what we see is that light is used to describe God's final act of redemption. And we see it used in three ways. For Isaiah, the Messiah, the Christ is light. The people who dwelled in darkness have seen a great light. The servant is light. He is the one that God gives as a light to all peoples. And we see that God himself, when he comes to save his people, is light. Isaiah chapter 60, arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of God has risen upon you. In other words, all of the Old Testament points forward to the finality of of God's redemption, the finality of that light of salvation as it comes in the person of Jesus Christ. So when John describes Jesus as the true light, he is saying that he is the Messiah. He is saying that he is the servant. He is saying that he is God himself come to save his people, because in the person of Christ, all three coalesce, combine into the one person. In verse 9, the true light which was coming into the world is that divine light, God himself, the son of God, light of light, being born as a man and no mere man. But the final movement in God's plans and purposes, his Messiah, his servant, God himself in the flesh, the final redemption. That's the true light. And so then what would we expect? Surely we would expect celebration, gladness, rejoicing. But what do we get? Verses 10 and 11. Not rejoicing, but rejection. Have a look at those verses. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Now here we have a twofold tragedy, don't we? We have the creator God who is unrecognized by his creation. And we have the God of Israel who is unrecognized by Israel. His own people do not recognize him. They do not recognize their Messiah either. They do not recognize the Isianic servant. He is unknown and rejected. And we might ask the question, we ought to ask the question, why? Why is that? How could that be? How could the light that shines into a world of darkness not be recognised? I mean, how do you not recognise light? Well, if we read the rest of John's Gospel, Jesus tells us very plainly. John, uh, in J- Jesus tells us the light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. In other words, the, the light of Christ is shone, the light of his redemption. But the light of Christ's redemption is also the light of his righteousness. And when that light of righteousness shines into people who are evil, are people who love the darkness because their deeds were evil, then those same people will flee from the light and into the darkness. Perhaps you shared the gospel With a friend, or perhaps this was your own experience before becoming a Christian. And you can't understand, you think that it is the best news possible. You can't imagine why people would not accept the love of God which is in Christ, the good news that gives us eternal life through faith in His name. Why is it that people do not receive that? Because it reveals a God who is righteous, it reveals a God who exposes our sin who opposes our sin, who demands changes to our lives, who says that that is not right, that does not conform to my light, and that must change. And people reject that, and they hate it. And brothers and sisters, there is no point trying to change the gospel, there is no point trying to dim the light, there is no point trying to change God's demands of righteousness in order to reach the lost. It never works. Why? Because light and darkness are implacably opposed. People love the darkness because their deeds were evil, and they hate the light for that reason. However, before we shift on to those who receive the Christ, we as people who profess to believe in Christ, who have received Christ, we need to think a bit more about the darkness because darkness can still be a feature and often is a feature of our lives. I want you to think, are there ways in which you are avoiding and hiding from God's word? Are there ways in which you are going away from the revelation of his righteousness, ways in which you're obscuring it, ways in which you are hiding it. Think about your reading of the Bible. Are you skipping over those passages which make you uncomfortable? Are you ignoring the implications for your life? Are you doing this in more subtle ways? Are you going to a Bible study and every time somehow the conversation gets steered towards some theological debate or some exegetical issue? but never the demand that Christ makes for obedience. That can be a subtle way of hiding in darkness. Do you avoid forming genuine relationships with brothers and sisters? Now, sometimes there are very good reasons for that, but sometimes also we we don't want relationships with people, especially Christians, because Christians can see into our lives and they can see the darkness and there is a danger that they will shine the light of Christ in brothers and sisters, we must be aware of the danger of darkness. Sin festers in darkness. Evil thrives in darkness. And because we are people who will naturally love the darkness, we must also be those who are seeking the light of Christ in his redemption and his righteousness. We must be considering all of his God's word and letting it shine upon our lives We need to be doing it in the community of God's people who can see the darkness within us and who can tell us plainly that this is not right and that we need to be walking as children of the light. So last point, we have looked at those who reject the light. Now let's consider those who receive the light. Have a look at verse 12 and 13. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Who is it who receives Christ? Well, we need to see that it's asymmetrical with those who reject Christ, right? They're they're not parallel. Those who receive Christ are those not who are righteous, not who hate the darkness and love the light by nature, but they are those who believe in Christ's name and they are those who God has made his own children. Verse 13, those who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now for a Jew, that would have been shocking. I mean, who were God's people? They were Uh, those who were descended from Abraham, of the lineage of Isaac and Jacob. How could you tell who were God's people? Well, they had the outward marks of circumcision. They obeyed the food laws. But how do you tell God's people now? Well, there is no family tree that tells us, because we are not born of men. We're not born of blood. We're not born of the will of the flesh, but we are those who are born of God. We have a spiritual parentage. And what are the signs that mark out a Christian? Well, fundamentally, it's nothing external on the skin, but it is faith in Christ, right? We are those who believe in his name. But this doesn't just mark us off as not being Jews. It also tells us something about the character of the redemption that we have received. Now, I don't know about you, but I wasn't present at my conception, and I wouldn't want to be either. Right? I had no control of being brought into this world. I had no control of being born and I had no control over being born again either. And neither do you. This is God's sovereign prerogative. It is his grace. It is his decision. He is the one who works in our hearts by his spirit and causes us to be born again as children of of. Uh, as children of God, I want you to think a bit more about that before I conclude. If we are children of God, then we share the likeness of our of our heavenly Father. And we saw last week that. Jesus, as the eternal son of the father, shares all of the attributes of God. And the reason for that is he is with his father, the one God. Right, His being is indivisible. Now, we are not like that. We don't share the being of God and we don't share all of the attributes of God. But as those who have been born of God, those who are born again, those who are his beloved children, we will share some of his qualities, some of his characteristics. We will be like our father. And what have we learned about God so far? Well, God himself is light. His son is light. And so what should we expect of those who are his children? Well, that they should be light. They should exhibit the qualities, the characteristics of light. And that is why Paul says that we are children of light. And it's why Jesus exhorts us to walk in the light in John's gospel. Our lives should be characterized by the qualities of loving purity and righteousness and holiness. And as we look back over our Christian lives, we should be able to see more and more that the darkness of our lives has been exposed to the light and that we delight in the light, that we desire to come into the light and that we hate actively the evil. We hate the darkness. We should share in the quality of the righteousness of God's light. But also I think it means that we should share in the quality of the God who reveals himself, right? God is light and his son is light of light. God is a God who delights to make himself known. He wants this world to see him. He shines through his son in this world in darkness and he expects us as his beloved children also to be shining the light of his redemption in what we do and in what we say. We should be revealing God and making him known. And I think actually in this passage, there is an interesting parallel, right? Because in verse uh, six and seven, we have John the Baptist who bears witness about Christ. And at the end of the gospel, we have John the evangelist, the person who's writing, saying that he is bearing witness about Christ. In other words, it bookends the entire gospel of John and it points us forward because of John the Baptist at the beginning is testifying about Christ, and if John the Evangelist at the end is testifying about Christ, then what should we be doing? We should be testifying about Christ, right? If we are those who are born again, born of God, born of a God who is by nature light, then we will be making him known in his righteousness and in his redemption to a world which is in darkness, So, brothers and sisters, who is it who rejects the light and why? Who is it who receives the light and why? Well, people reject the light because their deeds were evil and they love the darkness. But the people who receive the Christ are those who believe in the name of Christ. And those who were by nature in darkness, who were by nature evil. But, but God has acted supernaturally to make us to be born again after his likeness in his image, in knowledge, in righteousness and in holiness. And so let us in all things exemplify the character of our God, who is light, who delights to make himself known, who delights to make himself known as a righteous God and who delights to make himself known supremely in the person of his son, light of light, as the great redeeming God. Let us pray. Almighty God, our heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God who is light in whom there is no darkness whatsoever. We thank you that you are a God who reveals himself through your Son, God of God and light of light. We praise you that you reveal yourself as a God of righteousness, that you are a God who loves holiness and who hates evil and darkness. And thank you most of all that whilst we were in darkness and evil, that you have revealed yourself as a God of righteousness and a God of redemption, that you have called us out of darkness and into your beloved light. And help us, we pray, as those who are born again as your beloved children, to love the things that you love, to hate the things that you hate, to reveal and make you known in all that we do, and supremely to make you known in the gospel of your son. And we ask this in the name of that same son, the true, the full, and the final light, Jesus Christ. Amen.